What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is a special Q&A. The reason it's a special Q&A is because before we get into the show, I'm going to be announcing the winners of the podcast review challenge. So I recently um, gave out the challenge that you can leave a rating and review, a five-star rating review, and I will give you a special edition shirt. Um, This special edition shirt is a Seinfeld special edition shirt. Um, It's not the exact Seinfeld one because I can't do that. That's Seinfeld's. Um, But it is a Boom Boom Performance Seinfeld-ish shirt. Super excited about it. You guys know I love Seinfeld. So we had somebody create a shirt that was just like the Seinfeld logo, but it is Boom Boom and we had some extras. So we're going to give those away to three individuals who left a review. So I'm pulling these up right now. Um, Man, thank you guys so much. We had quite a few people turn them in. Um, which I really, really do appreciate. Um, fuck. It's really hard to choose. So when I call out your name, what you're going to do is you're going to email Tori at, so T-O-R-I at boomboomperformance.com. I'll put her email in the show notes in the description so you guys can see that. Um, email her, put a subject line podcast winner, uh, and then give us your address and give us your T-shirt size. Um, and then we'll send you a shirt ASAP. So the first one, this is so hard. Like, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I picked a couple and then when I just opened this, there was like four more. So the first one's going to go to Robin OS five stars performance and passion was the title. She said, Cody McBroom is an intelligent, inspiring host. He answered questions quickly and definitively he has engaging conversations with guests and asks them the insightful questions he doesn't coddle his listeners yet somehow makes you feel like he can achieve all your fitness goals if you are disciplined and put in the hard work i love that i listen to dozens of nutrition and health and fitness podcasts and i always look forward to the new episodes of the boom boom performance show because all i know i'll learn something and receive actionable advice that is the biggest key right there guys actionable advice He has about 260 episodes now, and when I discovered him, he was at 200. So I went back and listened to all 200 episodes I had missed. Seriously, great stuff. Hats off to Cody. Damn, thank you for going back and listening to everything. Robin OS, send us an email. We're going to give you a shirt. Um, Thank you so much. Seriously, I appreciate that a lot. Um, Okay, I got to give it to this one. You named this review so perfectly. I haven't even read the review yet, so this is the first time I'm reading it. But you titled it perfectly to win this shirt specifically this shirt um j dub w dub i think i've read i think you've won one of the the reviews challenges before oh no you can't review twice i don't think maybe i'm tripping j so j a y w dub um email us because yours your title was smoother than jerry's jerry's shaved chest you guys have seen Seinfeld. There's an episode where Jerry shaves his chest, and it's like this whole epidemic. Like you don't shave your chest because it's going to grow thicker and yada, yada. It's fucking hilarious. So that was great. Smoother than Jerry's shaved chest. I love it. Cody consistently does a fantastic job breaking down training and nutrition. I love that there's no smoke and mirrors in his advice. Just great free content week after week. I've been listening for almost a year, and the content continues to evolve and get better. Definitely recommend this podcast to anyone looking to improve their fitness and knowledge, nutrition knowledge. Love it, man. JW Dub, hit us up. Email Tori and uh, let us know your shirt size and let us know where you live, your address, your P.O. box, whatever it is, and we'll send you a shirt. Last one. 
Um, there's so many good ones, guys. You are. Whoa, this is great. Fuck, this is hard. I love you guys so much for this. Seriously, I absolutely love you guys. I appreciate it. Like, just let me take a moment. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, the fact that you guys listen and you guys go back and you've been listening and you appreciate me and you support me and you share this content, I cannot tell you how much that means. So everybody who did leave a review, regardless of whether or not you get uh, a shirt, thank you so much for doing this. It, it, it really does mean the world to me. All right, so the next one is Scoozier4. S-C-H-O-O-S-I-E-R, number four, shoot us an email. Yours said, effective and efficient. The best part of the Boom Boom Performance podcast is you know exactly what you're going to get. Cody does an amazing job of being clear in the description and timestamps of the exact topics he is going to cover, making it easy and efficient to find information that you need and is applicable to your goals, as opposed to having to wade through hour-long podcasts for the two minutes that you actually pertain to you. Shout out to Travis, the media guy, for that because he does our timestamps. Additionally, he also provides clear and actionable advice. There's not not there's no skating around the issue or providing multiple possible options. He is as particular perspective. He has a particular perspective and gives the listener a clear prescription based on that background. Damn. Again, this makes his podcast both effective and efficient in terms of moving towards your goals. Finally, the diversity of his topics he covers is extremely helpful, yet he has a clear foundation from which all of his information comes from, which keeps everything unified and coherent. Thank you, Skewser, for shoot us an email, Tori at BoomBoomPerformance.com. Let us know your address. Let us know your shirt size. We're going to send you a shirt. Guys, I appreciate you all for leaving reviews. Thank you so much. This isn't over. We're going to do more of these. I'm going to start giving out shirts like Wildfire because I love reading these. I love giving you guys gear. I love when you rep this stuff. Make sure you continue to share the show because that's how we grow this podcast. And without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. All right. So we got our first question from the Boom Boom Performance private forum. James Ward, he has two questions. First question, when you first started coaching, what did you charge? <laughs> you can't ask that, man. This is, this is not what this podcast is about. Um, I didn't charge. When I first started podcasting, it was completely free because I believed in just trying to learn how to be a better coach. My number one goal was literally to just provide value and to just get better. Um, I used to coach people at was what was called Vision Quest back in the day. Um, it's now LA Fitness, maybe something different. It was in the mall. I used to train people for free inside of Vision Quest with me. Um, and I used to train people at a uh, turf field called Surprise Lake for free. I would do conditioning workouts. Um, later on, I charged five bucks for a group workout there. And uh, I, made, I made a sandbag from Home Depot. I made a sled by, this is fucking hilarious. I took one of those discs those like sled discs that little kids slide on the snow on. And I put like a handheld punching bag that was like super heavy. It was like an old school one that you hold up. Somebody punches. It was probably like 50 pounds. It was like the worst punching bag ever. I taped, I duct taped that to the sled and then tied a rope around it so you could pull and do sled pulls um, and shit like that. Like it was just such like a mixture. I had like Tupperware sliders for like valve slides there. Um, it was dope, but I the five five bucks. Um, I didn't start charging until I worked at an actual facility. Um, they set the prices and they charge. And then from there, I uh, I started going on my own later on down the road. And then I started actually charging for myself. So um, that's the answer in a nutshell on that one. Uh, but he's got another question here. 
His uh, second question, for someone dealing with gut issues and taking glutamine and a multi-strain probiotic, should they cycle on and off them and at what intervals? Um, I go back and forth on this answer, man. There's a lot of good information that states you should cycle probiotics, and I think most average people should cycle probiotics, but um, and glutamine, I would say almost any supplement you actually probably should cycle. Um, there's very few like creatine studies show you don't have to, but I do believe like in most scenarios, it helps with sensitivity to anything. Um, even fish oil, like, uh, the fish oil guy himself that we had, Evan DeMarco, I'll link that podcast in the show notes, but we talked about it and he sells fish oil products and even himself, he recommended cycling on and off of them, um, just because he believed that there was some benefit to doing so. Um, and I, I agree with him. I think that almost anything. So probiotics probably should be cycled on and off. Um, usually it's like, three months on one month off is is a good interval with that two months on one month off is fine too um but the caveat to that is there's some people that almost need to take probiotics because their gut is so wrecked for those people i actually wouldn't recommend cycling off until they figure out what the root cause is and if it takes you six months to eliminate a food or figure out that what stress is providing that issue or whatever even though probiotic is a Band-Aid, keep the Band-Aid on because it's allowing you to get through that and discover what the stress is. And I think that's more important than anything. I'd rather you use a uh, lifting belt until you can figure out where the weakness lies that is going to allow you to build strength to avoid lift wearing a lifting belt ever again. Or I would rather you wear weightlifting shoes until you can fix the ankle mobility enough to be able to squat without them. Right. But um, until you can, it makes sense to stay safe and squat with them so you can get more depth and range of motion. Right. In a, in a more upright position. So you wear the squat shoes. So I think that's kind of how I look at probiotics and glutamine, too. Um, I actually have a client that we're talking. I'm talking to right now. And and there's certain supplements we're taking to help the gut. And I'm like, hey, keep them in. Let's figure out what's causing the root issue. But keep them in until we do, because right now we just need to make sure that you're not miserable every day. I think that's important. Rihanna and Healy asked. How are you tracking female weight tra- trends throughout the, her cycle? Are you comparing month-to-month averages of her follicular and luteal phase or just weekly averages? Um, so I, I, I will say I think people overthink this. I think people – when we start changing everything inside of these phases of the menstrual cycle, we can very like confuse people quite a bit. If it's somebody who's very advanced, somebody who's very specific, I will adjust things slightly with nutrition, um, what I'm tracking and deloading training. So there's certain parts of the phase where you can actually increase volume and there's certain parts of the phase where you need to actually lower, uh, because I believe it is, uh, I was actually just answering this question in the elite, um, estrogen and, uh, progesterone fluctuate and and during one of these phases you actually have a higher risk issue because your recovery suffers from that so training with high intensities and doing big compound lifts is probably not going to be smart if your fatigue management is poor and your risk injury goes up in that scenario i would absolutely change it and that could be as simple as adding a deload week during pms kind of thing you know it's it's really not that complicated For what I'm tracking, I just compare month-to-month averages. Like It doesn't make that big of a difference, and everybody's individual. Certain people retain way more water during these phases. Certain people don't retain much at all. Um, And we're still looking at daily trends, weekly trends, monthly trends. 
right? At the end of the day, we're in this for three to six months minimum. So let's look at these overarching themes and trends and averages and see where you're actually headed. Um, no matter what phase of your menstrual cycle you're in, the overarching themes and averages of how you feel and how your weight is fluctuating isn't going to change, right? You might see fluctuations in there and you can pinpoint those and say, oh, okay, this is during this phase of your menstrual cycle. That's totally fine, right? But your overall trend over the last three months, you've been losing weight and that will continue no matter what. If you're in a calorie deficit and you're doing everything right, no matter what somebody's fluctuation is, whether it's super high fluctuations, a lot of water retention or it's barely any, that person's still going to trend their weight down no matter what. Um, and I think that's something to think about. It, it, we don't want to complicate shit too much. This is why like we're tracking macros. Let's add a carb cycling approach where we go low, medium, high, and then every 10th day we have a refeed and you're doing all these crazy things. It's like, you're just confusing people. Like, let's keep it simple, right? Like even for the advanced individual, you're probably going to need to diet pretty hard for a long time if you want to get shredded. So even if you are advanced, keeping it simple is going to be advantageous because at some point you're going to have psychological burnout and we don't need that. Um, but I do look at month to month averages and yes, I do look at weekly averages. I look at daily trends, weekly averages, monthly averages. And then I look back and we have, um, we've actually leveled up our metric trackers quite a bit lately. And just what we do with our clients to make sure that we're constantly updating the, the way we track data. So it's easier on them and more specific for us. The more data we have, the better, the more simple it is for them, the better. Christiana, I never, I don't know why I always butch that, or I feel like I can't pronounce it, but you've asked a million questions. Christiana phoned me. I hear you talk about wine fairly often. Very true. If you had the opportunity to go wine tasting in three different countries, which ones would you choose? Oh, I like this question. That's dope. Um, hmm. I mean, I got to say Italy. Let's be real. I can't leave out Italy. Um, I just bumped the mic with my coffee. My bad. <sighs> Gotta say Italy. Um, I was actually just at Vino, which is a cool wine bar down here in the city, uh, here in Renton, where we're staying at our Airbnb, just down south of Seattle. And what did I have? It was a French wine. It was a really, really good French wine. And it was a cab blend, I believe. I can't remember what it was called. And even if I could, I couldn't pronounce it because it was something crazy. But I would probably go to France. Paris or France or wherever in France all the wine is. I have no idea. I definitely go to France. I definitely go to Italy. And I feel like I would probably, you know, part of me goes, oh, I'll just go to Spain because it's over there and there's a lot of great wines from Spain. But there's also a lot of Malbecs that come out of uh, Argentina for whatever reason. Um, me and Shannon are big fans of Malbecs. And I feel like it would be cool to travel to Argentina since it's in South America. So let's go with uh, France, Italy, and Argentina. Amanda Jessica Sugan, really excited because I finally reached my goal weight, but all, but we all know that's just a number. How would you determine with a client if they should keep cutting a bit more for leanness? Background info. I've been upping my ca cutting calories and still losing and feel like I maybe, maybe I could cut a bit more and still feel good. I've been upping my cutting calories and still losing. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that means that 
you are dropping them lower, like you're upping the amount you're cutting out, or if you've been reverse dieting. But I'm going to assume you're cutting out more calories and still losing it. I feel like maybe I could cut a bit more and still feel good. Yeah, because the way you said that. I've been using diet break schedule tools you have talked about as well. I am running Density, which is one of our power building programs, um, four days a week of lifting, and I'm still hitting PRs. Love it. 5'2", 115 pounds. 114 to 115 pounds fluctuating. I have nine weeks until a 10-day vacation, and I am considering going down to 110 if it happens. So our question is, how do you determine with a client if they should keep cutting a bit more for leanness? So the best way to know in this scenario, like you're doing a lot of the right things, right? Like if you're PRing in the gym, if you aren't starving and you feel like you still have more room to cut calories, you're probably in a good place to keep cutting because biofeedback says that you're not in a super big deficit. If you're hitting PRs, you're not in a crazy deficit. If you're not starving, you're not in a crazy deficit, which means you could probably get a bit more aggressive and keep going. The other piece of that is I have to look at a client and see how much body fat they're holding. Like there's a lot of people who want to cut, yet they're almost in a they're putting themselves in a skinny fat position. And what I mean by that is you probably should spend time maintaining and or gaining muscle. There's a lot of people who want to get super lean, but their ideal of lean is like an athletic physique, a very toned, defined, lean physique, yet they're trying to lose weight. And when they lose weight, they distress their body out more, they retain more water, they look softer, and they don't have a lot of muscle mass underneath. So when they get really light in weight, they just look soft. They don't look lean. They don't look dense. So it depends. Um, I've had clients where they're like, Hey, like, I think like my leanest I've been is like five, 10 pounds away from here. What should we do? Should I go for another cut? And it's like, okay, well, did you sustain that? No. Okay. Well, that's a red flag already. Uh, why didn't you sustain it? Was it hard? Was it difficult? Did like, not what you expected? What did you look like when you got there? Like, and then at that point we just assess like, Hey, like, what does your ideal physique look like? Because you might be, you might, benefit from spending some time at maintenance and or a surplus and actually trying to build muscle. And this is like goes especially for females. There's a lot of females who are afraid to go into this or they don't have the education to go into this because it's not common for a female to go into a like a lean gaining phase. I actually have a couple women in lean gaining phases and I think it's the smartest thing that they've ever done because it's going to give them a foundation that when they get leaner next time, they're going to look a lot denser. They're going to have a more of a physique of what they actually want to see and look like. Um, so it's hard for me to say, especially over a podcast, like like if I think a client should keep cutting to be a bit, bit more lean. But I'll usually refer back to, to post pictures like what was your leanest physique? Uh, what did you weigh then? How did you feel about what you looked like? How easy was it to sustain that? And then we'll go from there and see what we think. Um, it's too hard for me to say exactly, but it sounds by the base of it like if – 110 is really light, but then again, you're only 5'2". So, I mean, if you're hitting PRs, I don't think you're cutting hard enough to, like, worry about anything. But I also don't know what your physique looks like. So, be honest with yourself. Like, am I getting to a point where I'm going to be lean? Do I want muscle? Do I just want to have, like, a skinnier look and not worry about muscle? Like, you have to be honest with yourself and decide that. Um, And I've even had to do that with myself. Like, looking back at my last photo shoot and going, okay, did I like what I saw? Like, was I muscular enough? Was I hard enough? No, I don't think I was. Like, I did I look good? Yeah, I was happy with it. But it wasn't the physique I expected to build because it's hard to tell how much muscle you mass you have until you cut, right? And so once I cut, then I can determine and kind of assess myself and, and 
judge myself in a positive way and go, okay, you know what? I, I think I want to spend some time gaining muscle. I, of course, had surgery and it threw a complete wrench in, in my plans. But my plan was like, let me spend some time getting up to maintenance, maintaining, and then spend a good six to eight months just trying to build muscle, throw a couple mini cuts in there just to make sure I don't get fat, um, and then put on a solid foundation of, of muscle. And then in 2020, let me cut down and get super fucking lean um, and like what I see more. So I think it just kind of depends. Everybody's different, and you just have to really kind of audit yourself. Nick Ross, what would cause someone, me, to <laughs> to consistently sleep through my alarms, like to the point where I don't even hear them most of the time? Um, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. I'm not a sleep expert. In fact, I'm actually working on getting a sleep expert on the show. Um, I'm having Tori email the crazy, the hell out of them, trying to get them on because um, it would be awesome to have a doctor on here that specializes in sleep so we can ask him this question. But m- my guess, my as a coach, my question, so I would ask you two questions basically and try to figure out which one it is. My questions for you would be, um, how well are you sleeping? So if you're like, I can't even wake up from my alarm and I'm sleeping like a baby, it might be a good thing. Uh, but then I might say, why are you so fatigued? And how long are you sleeping? Like, are you setting an alarm that's five and a half hours, six hours into your sleep and you're in your deepest point of sleep? That means you're not getting enough sleep. You need to go to sleep earlier or set the alarm for later. Um, or if you're just extremely fatigued and if you're sleeping through your alarm and it's eight hours, then you're at a level of fatigue. That's probably too high. You're not recovering well enough from it. So you're like fucking hibernating through your alarm. Um, and that's not a good thing. Like sleep is great, but we should be able to naturally wake up. Like you should be in a rhythm to where it's like, I get seven, eight hours of sleep. I naturally wake up, blah, blah, blah. Right. Like I obviously use an alarm cause I have to get up really early, but the point is, is I don't sleep through my war- alarm because I'm not that exhausted. So I think, um, yeah, I, I couldn't give you a straight answer because I'm not a sleep expert. But my guess would be, um, A, you're not getting enough sleep or B, you're too fatigued. Ashley Fossum, how would you periodize a year of training using your programs? Ooh, I like this question. Um, with which programs would you run a deficit maintenance surplus an individual trying to lose 10 ish pounds of fat and get as strong as possible by year's end adherence is not an issue. So if this question doesn't make sense, here's an example, January to March functional muscle deficit, April athlete maintenance, so on. Um, so athlete is a program in, uh, the athlete is a program inside the elite. So maybe she's referring to those, but I'm going to use the ones that we sell and that you guys can get access to, but let me take a drink of my coffee real quick. You know, I'm not a big, like if it fits your macros guy or sugar free guy for the most part, but there's two things that I, if it fits your macros a little bit with, and they're both sugar free. The first one is G. Hughes, so it's G. Hughes sugar-free barbecue sauce. It's actually fucking good. Um, I use that on steak and chicken. I like the sugar-free barbecue sauce, so I'll, I'll get my artificial sweetener on on that. The other one is when I go to Starbucks and I get, and this sounds super foo foo, but um, but I've been to fitness seminars and workshops, and other people tag along on this, and then they tag me and say I'm getting the Cody at Starbucks, so it's obviously good. But it's just a pike roast, just regular black coffee with skinny mocha sauce and sugar-free vanilla. Or you can do sugar-free cinnamon dolce, but it's a great combo. So when I do go to Starbucks, I'll do that. I'll get a skinny mocha slash sugar-free vanilla, and I'll get my sugar-free on with that too, my artificial sweetener, but it's fucking good. Um, Anyway, how would I periodize a year of my training program? So we have functional muscle one, functional muscle two. We have density. 
Um, and then we have FIT, which is the functional intensity training. So what I would do, um, individual wants to lose 10 pounds of fat and get as strong as possible. So the way I would periodize for this person is I would start with functional muscle one and I would start at maintenance calories. I would use the nine weeks inside of functional muscle one to build a solid base of strength, reverse diet if needed, but bring calories up to maintenance and kind of, I always, I talk about this inside my coaching and, and I really do enjoy this because I, I find that it sets people up for a much more successful fat loss phase, but kind of build that metabolic foundation, right? So at the beginning, we bring you up to maintenance and try to get your calories up a little bit um, or to the point where we have your true maintenance and we are very adherent with calories and you feel really good in your performance before we start cutting. So even if your goal is fat loss, we might spend the first four to six weeks just building and ramping up that metabolic capacity. But what I would do with this person since I have a year with them, I would spend the first nine weeks building up their adherence to macros and building them up to their maintenance calories so we have a good foundation to work from and I would use functional muscle during that. There's three three-week blocks, so it's nine weeks total, and it's just a great foundational muscle building phase, a uh, great foundational strength building phase. Like really just hones in on good, solid progressive overload, functional movement patterns that are going to work really well with almost anybody who does it, really joint-friendly. Um, and I just find it's a really good starter program for anybody to do. It's just a good way to get your foot in the door and start building strength to give you that foundation, that base before you go into it. From there, I would probably shift into FIT, and that's when I would ramp up fat loss. So at this nine-week mark of going into a deficit, I would switch to FIT, which is eight weeks long, and I would probably go into an aggressive cut. Um, because I had control over their maintenance and I brought them up to a good point for nine weeks, I know they're metabolically healthy, and I know where to pull from. So I feel very confident going into an aggressive approach. So I might actually drop them 10 to 20% calories, like go pretty aggressive with it, give them more diet breaks. So I'd probably give them a diet break on week five. So after four full weeks of dieting, I would give them a diet break for five to seven days. And then I would finish the program for another three to four weeks going hard with the diet. And then I would give them a deload and another diet break on week 10. So nine or 10. Um, and this would bring us, that's, nine weeks plus 10 weeks. So we're 19 weeks in, right? So we're almost six months in. Uh, we're five months in. At this point, they've probably lost a good amount of weight. Aggressive diet like that, you're probably losing one to two pounds a week at least. Um, so we're not quite at our goal yet because we had a diet break, so you'd probably fluctuate up one. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're past halfway. At this point, I would probably honestly run FIT again. So I would have done one of two things. If they were more new and fresh into strength training, I would have repeated each single week of FIT for two weeks. So that's something you can do with the program. Instead of making it eight weeks long, you can make it 16 weeks long. So I may have actually done a 16-week longer cut and run FIT twice or just every week twice to lead it longer. And I would still take a diet break every fourth or fifth week with a deload um, and, and kind of periodize it that way. Hopefully by the end of 16 weeks, we actually already dropped those 10 pounds and then from there, you can slowly start reverse dieting. From that point, I would probably go into density. Density is a really good hypertrophy transition 
to strength training program. And what I mean by that is it starts off very, very bodybuilder-like. It's an upper-lower split that uses a lot of intensification techniques that are found inside of bodybuilding, like rest pause, myo reps, drop sets, uh, s- tempo training, things like that. Um, pauses, like segmented pauses, so like squats with like four pauses along the way in the negative. Really cool things to build time under tension. Really fun program. But it's a good kind of... Uh, how would I say this? It's a good shift move. It's a good like way to kind of shock your body a little bit and give it something different, which shock your body is kind of a stupid term, but that's the only thing I can think of right here. It's a good shift. So after doing a solid foundational muscle or strength building phase, then going into a full body program that's very conditioning focused, full body going into a cut for 16 weeks, now we can shift to bring calories up. Volume increases with density, especially in the first four weeks. Um, maybe more actually. Um, I got, I can't remember if it's six weeks or four weeks that it's like very bodybuilding high volume, but going from that shift to where we go, okay, we're at our 10 pound weight loss goal. Now I'm going to shift and start adding calories in. It's a good time to bring volume up. So when we're reverse dieting or bringing calories back up out of a cut, it's a great time to add more muscle building programming and add more volume based programming because like it sounds funny but your muscles are going to eat the carbs up right so as we're increasing carbs and reverse dieting we're increasing volume they're going to get use so if we're trying to blunt that that uh weight gain response to bringing calories up and safely reverse diet this is a good tactic to use density would be perfect for that so right after fit i'd start reverse dieting i'd start implement uh, density. The last four weeks of density are very strength based. So it actually shifts from a, uh, upper lower split to a full body strength training split with testing involved. So you actually get to retest your maxes. You can revert back to months ago when you did functional muscle one and see where you're at compared to then from a strength standpoint. Um, and it's also another good shift because you go from a high volume upper lower split from, for a couple phases into a full body strength phase. During this phase, I'd assess where we're at. If the reverse went well, you just keep going. If it didn't go so well and you gained a little bit of weight in the process, maybe do a mini cut going into this because it's going to be full body, expend a little bit more calories, see where you're at. Mini cut's going to be two to five weeks, so very, very short. Um, that kind of puts you at the end of density, and then I finish with functional muscle 2.0 because functional muscle 2.0 is much more advanced bodybuilding um, in strength. It's it's more my more advanced program. It's five days a week. So by the end of the year, you've progressed yourself up to earning the right to train five days a week um, and do it in a more advanced setting, and it's a good position to be in for a lean gain phase. You've had a strength building phase. You've had a metabolic capacity building phase. You've had a conditioning and a fat loss phase. You've had a shift into higher volume phase. You've had a mini cut. And now you're in the perfect position to start a lean gain phase towards the end of the year going into the following year where you can do high volume, 12-week program, uh, bodybuilding, build muscle. That's how I would structure it. Functional muscle, FIT, density, functional muscle too. I really like that question. Christiana has another question. A friend just posted a question on her IG story. How do you enjoy going to the gym? What will what would be your response to this? P.S. She is trying to lose weight and body fat. How do you enjoy going to the gym? I don't know how to take that. Like, how do I enjoy it? Like, what do I do to enjoy it? Or, or like, literally, how the hell do you enjoy the gym? Um, how do I – I don't know. You know, like that's a hard question to answer. How do you enjoy going to the gym? I enjoy going to the gym because it makes me a better human being. 
Um, every time I foot, step foot in there, I'm challenging myself to improve in some way, shape, or form. And there's something about that that just makes me feel better. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like a good person. It makes me feel like I'm doing something. Um, I'm working my muscle. I like sweating. I like getting my heart rate up. Um, I like blasting music and, and kind of zoning out. Um, yeah, I enjoy going to the gym because it's my it's my place away. It's my sanctuary. It's it's where I can not look at emails, not look at Instagram, not look at anything. Um, text messages, no work. Like it's just music, and I usually pick like an old album that I haven't listened to in a long time, um, and I'll listen through the album a bunch of times while I train, and I'll just push myself. Like there's nothing better to me than. I love the gym and I have an emotional attachment to it because it changed my life. You know, I was overweight, had no direction, no motivation, no idea what I wanted to do in life. Um, it wasn't necessarily heading down the right path and, and fitness and training changed my life. Train, I found training before I found nutrition um, and it was reading free blogs and going to the gym with people and training and pushing myself that really changed the trajectory of my life in every way, shape and form. So that's how I, that's how I make it to the gym every week, every day. Sarah has a long name Pringle. <laughs> Sarah, I love you Sarah. She's one of my clients. Sarah, I I you know, I still to this day don't know how to pronounce this part. Alice, Alice, Alice. Let me know. Roy Pringle, I'm sorry I butchered it. You know I love you. Um I wouldn't do that to you if I didn't know you. Um how would you program legs for a woman who is already lean, visible abs, but who wants to lean out legs and butt? Side note, she gained lean muscle mass but is not happy with how her pants fit. And her legs slash butt are her problem area. And I know you can't spot reduce fat. Um, I would say you possibly can reduce fat there. So the best thing to do here, there's a couple things here. So number one, frequency. So I would put this person on a program similar to the one that's in the Boom Boom Elite, which is the uh, goddess, which is a glute specialization phase but the main thing is it's three days of legs two days of upper body two days rest or cardio um, that right there is going to increase frequency of what you're training your legs on so a you're going to be constantly bringing oxygen and blood flow to your legs there is some studies to show that fat oxidation is going to follow blood flow so if i bring a ton of blood flow to my lower extremities and then i do cardio or i'm in a diet it is more likely that i might lose some fat in those places it's splitting hairs and it's a small percentage but in somebody who is very lean up top it's very likely because they don't have much fat to lose up top period um, the second thing i would do is i would really get like geeky about optimizing hormones um, it's a hormonal process to store fat in that area for women just like it's a hormonal process to store fat around the stomach and love handles and lower back for men we're protecting our organs their uh, women are protecting their reproductive hormones so in organs so it's you could possibly look into stress management and hormone management and balance and try to see if that helps a little bit. Um, but the biggest thing I would do is just increase frequency of the legs and just bring more blood flow to them constantly. Um, you could also even like pick purposely pick like your cardio being like very intense on the legs. So like that's somebody I would say, yeah, like let's do stair stepper. Like doing the stair stepper for your cardio is probably going to be better because you're actually working the muscles. You're bringing a ton of blood flow down there too. And you're burning a lot of calories. That might be a smart idea. Um, doing some like high rep squats and hip thrusts or something right before doing your cardio is going to be another good thing. Bring a ton of blood flow to your quads, your glutes, your hamstrings, everything lower extremity, and then do the bike or the walk or the cardio or whatever it may be. Because all we're trying to do, we're not trying to build muscle in that session. We're trying to bring blood flow and then do cardio. Um, it's the same thing like people would do a ton of sit-ups before they did cardio. If you're absolutely shredded, um, that might have some merit. Again, it's 1% difference. But if you're really lean already and if you already have abs as a female, you're very lean. 
you can do the nitty-gritty things. You can consider taking yohimbine, for example, because yohimbine is a fat burner that has been shown to possibly help burn in stubborn body parts. It is minimal effect to anybody who has 30 pounds to lose, but it can have some a positive benefit to somebody who has five pounds to lose or is like in a very stubborn body fat place. So I think it depends. Uh, but the number one thing I would do is bring up frequency to the lower body. I think that's the best route to take for sure. All right. Um, let me pull up the rest of the questions from Instagram. First question is from Ash White, 1987. Do you recommend checking glucose regularly on a high carb diet? No, not unless um, somebody has any issues with blood glucose in the past, um, has a history of diabetes in the family or anything like that, or has like serious uh, signs of insulin resistance. If you have PCOS, if you have any blood sugar issues, if you um, have like stubborn body fat and I just cannot figure out why you can't lose that, then I would say, hey, let's test your blood glucose. Uh, but I wouldn't just regularly check it while on a high carb diet. Uh, because if you have like this is very individual and I think this got hyped up when, every, when bodybuilders started checking blood glucose and people are thinking, oh, like if I have high blood glucose, like that's very, very bad. Like you will gain body fat if you have poor levels of blood glucose and you have a serious insulin resistance issue. So I wouldn't necessarily worry about it unless you're gaining body fat. If you're like in a position, this is why bodybuilders use it. You're in a position where you cannot break through a plateau and you don't know why, check your blood glucose. If it's in the 90s to 100, then you might want to go on an extremely low carb phase, high fat, not necessarily drop calories, but you might need to drop calories too because for some people, just the macro ratio switch can help. Some people, you have to actually go into a caloric deficit to do this, but go into that phase keep tracking your blood glucose levels, watch it drop, and then reintroduce carbs once that high-fat, low-carb phase actually worked for you to reset those blood glucose levels. Otherwise, you don't need to check it constantly. If you're following a high-carb diet, it's not going to benefit you to constantly check it and worry about it. Um, unless, like I said, if you're concerned for health purposes, then it's a different story. But at that point, we might want to change some things to, to favor it. And it can also be stress-related. So remember that if your blood glucose levels are through the roof, it could be a result from too much cortisol. So if you're stressed out all the time, cortisol is really high, that will have an effect on uh, your blood glucose levels. Ash White had another question. What are your thoughts on glucose control supplements? Example is Morpho, Morpho Prime. I don't know what Morpho Prime is, but I can look it up. Morpho Prime is from Morphogen Nutrition, which I've actually heard really good things about. Um, it's basically just a – this is actually a really good one. Um, it's a glucose disposal agent. Berberin, uh, ALA, um, curcumin. you got a lot of good stuff in here. Um, and they actually have enough. I see a big issue with uh, – so like if we look at glucose disposal agents um, like cinnamon, berberine, stuff like that, the most effective is berberine. Um, I don't – I haven't seen any that are going to make a tremendous difference in anybody except berberine. Um, there is also um, metformin. metformin. Metformin is a diabetes prescription medication that some bodybuilders will take and it does fucking work. But berberine is, has more health benefits and less risks associated with it. And it has been shown in studies to be just as effective as uh, with glucose disposal and insulin sensitivity as 
metformin has. So I always recommend berberin. If we think there is a blood glucose issue, if you want to just have that upper edge on uh, carb distribution, carb absorption, um, if you're looking for the upper edge on just getting as lean as possible, or if you have PCOS or some insulin resistance issues, I think berberin is a very safe and effective uh, route to go. It's much cheaper um, and more likely to be quality if you just get a true great product that is berberin. If you get real berberin and you just get a good quality brand, I think you're much more likely to get the real deal. If you get uh, glucose disposal agents, there's a good chance you're going to be getting like a proprietary blend with a bunch of random shit in it. That's not really going to do much. And the only thing that's really effective in there is cinnamon, which you have to consume an ungodly amount of cinnamon for it to make a huge difference. And then berberin. And berberin, you need, uh, usually it's like 500 milligrams per serving three times a day. You can push that a little bit to like to 2,500 milligrams a day, I think, um, if you're eating a lot of carb-dense meals. This product actually has 1,000 milligrams of berberin in it um, in one serving, which is awesome. But I always just recommend if somebody's interested in glucose disposal agents and you actually have a reason to take it, which it can be effective, um, I would uh, I would just go with berberin. And this is something I take. Like When I want to lean out, I will take berberin because I do think it gives a little bit of an edge on the ability to keep more carbs in your diet. Ben Steele. Favorite memory when training? Ooh. Um, favorite memory when training? My favorite memory when training was at the old Vigor, so the little gym, when I worked there, and we used to train really late at night, and it was like 11.30 p.m., and we were training, and there was like five of us, and we were <laughs> We were doing something on the turf. I think we were doing prowler pushes. And I, I turned around and I was like, yo, there's somebody in here. And there was just like this drunk dude just stumbled into the gym through the back door in like the alley. And, and we were just like, oh, fuck. And the dude walked in and started like mouthing off to Luca. And Luca is, for those who don't know, uh, a buff, bald, Slovenian. Uh, the Krebs used to call him the Slo- Slovenian jackhammer. Or no, the Slovenian sledgehammer. But dude is a beast, and uh, he'll fuck you up. So this dude walks in and starts, like, mouthing off, and it just got, like, really tense. And Luca just head-butted the shit out of this dude. And the dude just, like, had his eyes just lit up, rocked, like, little birdie singing around his head. And he just did not know what to do and literally just turned around and walked out. Like, it was just, like, what's done is done. Um, and Luca gave him the business. And then we went back to pushing prowlers. I think that was the night where... <laughs> we were pushing prowlers as a finisher after a leg day and uh Luca was like in in uh we're gonna do this for Michael Jordan because he was a basketball player and he made us push the weighted sled down and back 25 yard turf so 50 yards each round for 23 rounds and then uh after the 23rd round he was like for Kobe and then we had to do 24 and I, I actually pulled over on the freeway to throw up on the way home it was pretty bad and I was like 21, 22 maybe, but um, yeah, that was that was a great night of training. That was probably my favorite memory. We got two more questions. Damn, we got a lot of these uh, personality questions today. Coolest place you've ever trained? Um, I would say Gold's Gym in Venice, uh, and the reason um, I would yeah I would say Gold's Gym just because it's like classic. I, I saw um, I saw the guy from Bigger, Stronger, Faster. So I got to hang out with him and meet him. The old guy that lives in the van, like the super old bodybuilder that they interviewed in that that documentary that lived in his van outside of Venice and just like never let the dream die. I met him in the parking lot 
he was doing a cut. The dude's like 70. He was in a cut, he said, and he had like three windbreakers on in the heat, like trying to sweat it out. It was crazy. But we had like an hour-long conversation. It was probably like 30 minutes conversation with he was just like was like trying to motivate us, me and Theo. It was crazy. But that was probably the coolest place I've ever trained just because there's so much history there. More Chia, please. Favorite college or late teen memory? Not really fitness-related, but funny shit. Fuck, I don't know. Um, <laughs> nothing I can say on this podcast. Um, favorite college memory. Um, you know what? Like, to be completely transparent, this is, like, probably not what you were looking for. But, like, I mean, all the funny stuff is great. But, like, my favorite memories about college was that was when this all started for me. That was when I started my blog. That was when I started coaching people for free. That's when I started learning. That's when I found my passion. Um, and it taught me so much about life and, and how – the biggest purpose inside of this is really just about finding your passion and giving it to others and helping others through through what you know best and through what you can do. Um, so yeah, I think I think my favorite thing was just like I don't know, I just I just loved every minute of like starting all of this. Like that this is that's when the movement started. So my favorite memory when I look back in college in my late teens because I started college at 18 years old was was just starting all this reading blogs writing blogs just discovering like literally discovering fitness and nutrition and bodybuilding and those things like that's when it all started for me and it was it was the most impactful time of my life so that's definitely my my favorite memory all right guys that is a wrap that is the last question real quick before you go I appreciate you for being here um it always means a lot to me and I, I know your time is valuable so I do appreciate you being here and listening to the podcast because that's how this goes that's how I get to impact people and that's why I do this so if you don't mind, please go leave me a five-star rating review. We do really appreciate it. And don't forget the best way to help us grow this and reach more people to influence more lives, and you can be a part of that, is to simply share this on Instagram or Facebook. So simply take a screenshot of the phone, post it on your story, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. I want to get to know you and see who's listening to the show, and I will see you guys next time.